Hey gang, Ross Brand here for LivestreamUniverse.com. Well, don't go to the website right now. It's uh, down for a little repairs, but it'll be back up soon. But you can always find us at RossBrand.live, and that's the Livestream Universe Facebook page where you're watching right now. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you're on the replay, welcome. Uh, if it's your first time, this is the show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across across live stream platforms. That's why we call it live stream stars. So welcome everybody. Again, normally I'd say go check us out at livestreamuniverse.com, but today just stay right where you are and uh, hopefully that website will be up sooner than later. Anyway, I'm very excited to introduce our guest tonight. Carlos Gill is somebody who's making a big impact in the world of social He's going to be speaking this week, I believe it is, right, at uh, Social Media Marketing World 17 in San Diego. He recently led an event and did speaking at South by Southwest, did a keynote. I got to see him and meet him in person doing a keynote out in L.A. for Summit Live. He's producing a couple of video series, Real Talk, Hustle Diaries, and he's also, when he's not doing all that, he's... Uh, Head of social for uh, BMC Software is his uh, day job. And you can find them at carlosgill.biz, easy for me to say, on the web. Also, the Carlos Gill on Snapchat, one of the major Snapchat influencers out there. And, of course, he tweets at at carlosgill83. I say, of course, because in one of the tweets I sent out, <sighs> I left out the 83 and the other Carlos Gill, I guess, has had that happen a few times because he was very nice about it, but sent me a message. I think this is the Carlos Gill you want. I'm like, I know I know which Carlos Gill I want, but thanks and sorry. So anyway, with all that going on, I wanted to start off talking about HR because I saw your presentation or at least pieces of it in the videos uh, and you were talking at South by Southwest of HR because I, I guess you don't have enough to do with social and Snapchat and your job. Tell me what, what you're doing with HR. This is fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, Ross, thank you so much for having me on the show. And, uh, you know, please, for all of you out there that can help me get my at Carlos Gill handle Twitter accounts, please, <laughs> please send the other Carlos Gill tweet. <laughs> <laughs> well he and definitely it, knows about you let's let's put it that does, way he does, he does know about me i've actually offered to uh you know not to buy the handle from him over the years but i've, I've asked him is there anything i can do to inc like incentivize you to like give me my name on twitter since we all know i'm much more active <laughs> than the average carlos skill when it comes to using social media and twitter um <laughs> Anyways, man, South by Southwest was a great time. I, I spoke at two different events out there, actually three different events. One of them I hosted was the VIP Brand Summit. Uh, but two of the events I spoke at over there, one of them was an official South by Southwest panel with Sean Ayala, Cyrene Q, and Danny Burke. They are three of the you know, hottest, most influential Snapchatters out there today. The other event I spoke at was actually organized by TalentNet. They are an organization within the HR and talent acquisition space that produces events. And I was asked by my friend Jessica Miller Merrill, who ironically I spoke at South by the previous year. I was asked by her to be on a panel um, along with MGM uh, Resorts and another HR executive um, around specifically using 
the, the, the topic was actually around using live stream. And we went from live stream for talent acquisition all the way into the full gamut of Snapchat and Instagram and how to really use social media from a employer branding and talent acquisition standpoint. So a lot of folks out there don't know, but the first four years that I worked in social media, I actually had a startup called Jobs Direct USA that was primarily focused, and this is from 2008 to the end of 2011 during the recession. Uh, so my startup was primarily focused on helping connect brands or help employers connect and find talents uh, to hire for jobs. So a lot of what my company did back then um, early on when social media was still at the ground level was work with various talent acquisition departments and recruiters on helping them understand social recruiting. So again, we're talking 2009, 2010 right. when LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter was still somewhat relatively at the ground level. So a lot of what my company did and what I personally did was train organizations on how to use these mediums to find talent. Now, fast forward to 2017, and I think everyone understands um, at the recruitment and HR level that you have to have a presence on social right. media for, for various reasons. Um, but when you start peeling back the layers of the onion, you start really talking you know, to uh, recruiters and talent acquisition professionals now about how social media has evolved and changed. Let's face it, that's top tier <laughs> Top tier candidates are not necessarily spending hours on LinkedIn anymore looking right. for recruiters. They're not spending hours anymore on LinkedIn looking for jobs. Instead, recruiters and talent acquisition professionals are having to invest time in building what's called their employer brand, which is really showcasing why should a talent want to go work for them. And the example that I like to use is as myself. I'm, I like to consider myself a talent that is highly sought after by organizations. And anytime that I am personally approached by a company to go work for them, they oftentimes will lead in with this very long um, email or in-mail on LinkedIn, and they will typically drop in there a link to show me a YouTube video, very well-polished, highly you know, well-produced video uh, that goes to YouTube that tells me all about their company and it has executives, it has employees, and it always paints this very pretty picture of this is why you wanna work here. However, the reality from most companies is what you're showing to prospective candidates throughout the recruitment process in those very well-produced videos is not the reality of what a lot of employees face when they actually go work at a company. Right. Uh, so I speak, you know, you know my thing, Ross, it's all about real talk. I speak very much from the heart and from experience. So I shared with these HR executives, about two HR, 200 HR executives in the room, it was a packed house, it was at Whole Foods headquarters in Austin, right. Texas. And what I really spoke to them was why you want to leverage live video specifically, why you want to leverage Snapchat, those two mediums in parallel to really to, to tell your company story in a much more authentic manner than what you're going to show on, on YouTube. And I walked them through what we do here at BMC Software, where we use a combination of Facebook Live and Snapchat, not just around recruiting, but anytime there's celebrations or there's events. So right. a couple of weeks ago was International Women's Day and we had mimosas on the fifth floor here at our Silicon Valley campus in Santa Clara. And my team was there capturing that content on Snapchat. And I use this as an example because this is how essentially you humanize your organization. You show that the organization that you represent, it's fun, it's engaging. And as I said to the folks at South by, a lot of companies aspirationally wanna be able to pull talent from the IBMs and the Microsofts and the Dells of the world. If you're gonna pull that talent, you have to be able to show them what the experience is like working at your organization. Exactly. And, you know, you look at, um, and I'm big on broadcasting from the desktop and having a fairly polished show and everything, but this is the tool that the companies ought to be using, and they ought to be showing actually 
what it's like to work there and what the culture is like. Now, obviously, you're going to select employees who present well, who understand the medium. But giving an honest look in at the culture will both attract those people who want to work in that culture. And it will also save you time in recruiting because it will repel those people who will say, okay, a fun, loose environment isn't for me or a serious environment isn't for me or, you know, a place where people are all in all day. I'm, I'm not for that or whatever. So it actually is a little time invested in being creative is a lot of time not have to be spent screening applications and doing interviews with people who, if they got an honest look, wouldn't even waste your time applying, right? Agreed. You know, the job search process nowadays feels very much antiquated, not just for a candidate, but also feels antiquated for the recruiter. And the reason why is because social media has really fragmented communication. You know, let's face it, there's so many options nowadays for a, a candidate to engage with a recruiter and vice versa. So I think at the end of the day, what's really what really sells candidates on wanting to go work for for an organization, at least what they see on the surface is more of that experience. And let me tell you something, with live video, you can now take a job posting. And again, we've done this here at BMC. You can take your job posting that lives on your website and you can essentially bring it to life. You can interview the hiring manager. You can have the hiring manager talk about what he or she is looking for in an ideal candidate. You can have them talk about the culture. And I said to you like this, I was speaking with, um, with the head of talent acquisition for, for Comcast at this event, South by. And I was letting him know, in fact, you can see some of it on the Hustle Diaries. I just wanted to plug right. that. You can see it. You can see it on there on part eight. So what I was, what I was saying to this gentleman is you can take the same storyboard of your professionally well-produced video right. and you can chop it up and you can get the same effect where you have employees talking about the organization, you have executives, you show the workplace, but instead of having it be one well-produced video, use Facebook Live and make it multiple segments. Chop right. it up, have five or six different pieces of content. Maybe one day you show your call center and you show what it looks like working there and you pull a couple people and you have them there on the sidelines talking. I think if companies start doing this, right. what they'll find is they will make their place instantly look like a spot where talent wants to go work. Yeah, I mean, it's taking the same concepts that were applied to like the career website, which you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, whatever, it was all stock photos on every company of employees right. like in a circle going, yay, and you're supposed to go, oh man, is it fun there, right? But of course, the same little group of people are on every every application that you look at, right? Every website. Right. So it's the same thing, right? Instead of the, the highly produced uh, a video, having real employees talking about their career path, well, What's better testimony that there's opportunity there, that it's a good place to work, that you can move up, you can learn, you can grow, you can, you know, make more money and ha have a better, uh, you know, better career and whatever than to actually listen to real employees saying it instead of an actor or somebody presenting right. it so scripted. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, now companies realize putting real photos on Instagram and showing what it's like behind the scenes with photos. Same, same, same philosophy obviously applies to um, video. Now, the live video part is where companies get really scared, right? Because that's like, I don't know what my employee is going to say. And 
it hasn't been approved by well, it's, it's like anything else the reason <laughs> the reason why they get scared is because they just don't they don't know and they need someone to be their sherpa and guide them so kind of bringing it back to the talk at whole foods headquarters at south by that i gave i'm not in hr i work in marketing but i work very closely with my hr business partners here at bmc and every organization linkedin winn dixie save lot same thing if you work in marketing marketing is not just a department that's siloed away from everyone else you work very closely with your key stakeholders. So every organization I've worked at, I've in some way, shape or form, I've worked with HR and it comes down to leadership. If you are in a marketing role for a brand or if you have your own agency and you have clients, your role essentially is to be that internal consultant to them. So it's working directly with HR. It's showing them a proof of concept. I'm a big fan of asking for an opportunity to do proof of right. concept. Uh, so many months ago, when we were here internally at BMC talking about this, we showed our talent acquisition team, like, this is how you do a Facebook Live. And we went out, we pulled a very senior level member um, here at our Silicon Valley campus that was actually hiring for a job. And um, a, a person on my team, a direct report from my team and I, we went and we met with him and we, we prepped him. We said, you know, hey, this is what we're looking to do. We want to do no more than a two minute video. These are the key points that we want to hit on, which is A, um, tell us about what you do at BMC. B, why is this a place that someone would want to work? And three, talk to us about the opportunity that you're hiring for. What are you looking for in a candidate? Um, and then from there, marketing can fill all the holes. And the holes is you know the post copy, the link to go apply at. But you do have to give some sort of direction. And again, it's like anything else, Ross. And I said this before, and I said it to the group in Austin. There has to be collaboration and partnership between the two, right. the two groups. It has to be marketing and HR slash recruiting coming together and, and marketing really lead the way forward and teach them. Um, because we see this happen, not just with HR, but we see this happen at all stages of marketing where companies are really scared to pull the trigger because they just don't know the impact this is going to have. And they're afraid that an employee is going to say something. But guess what, guys? Any employee right now, any company can take their own cell phone. They can take this right. and they can go on. From within the company, from within the company walls, they can go on, they can create content, they can talk good, bad, or indifferent about the company. They can go on Glassdoor and write about the company. There's not much that you can really do today to prevent your employees from saying what they're going to say about you. Um, if for one reason they don't like working for you or if they love working for you, you can't do much to mitigate it. What you can do is you can empower your employees. That's something that you don't hear enough of, the word empowerment. And in fact, you can train your employees how to be advocates for, for your brand. I tell you, one, one of the things that we've done here in the time that I've been at BMC that I'm really proud of is we've established a employee advocacy strategy. Uh, we have uh, a, a good number of employees. I don't know if it's confidential or not, so I won't say it. So right. we have a good number of employees um, globally around the world that have access to a database of content where they can log in, they can share right. contents that are even pre-written, has links, has hashtags, you name it. And again, that goes back to something I'm a big believer in, in, at least in my leadership role, running social media for a brand, which is empowerment of employees. Well, that's, that's awesome that you've worked in companies, and it sounds like you've been a leader, really, in getting marketing and HR to collaborate, because after all, HR, when you strip away a lot of the sort of policing functions and paperwork functions is essentially internal marketing, but it doesn't look at itself that way, right? It's marketing to the employees who then go out and provide great customer service and sales and a great customer experience on the outside. And it's also creating that employment brand both internally and it should be aligned with what you're, you're putting out there for 
recruiting. Let me just say a quick hello to some great people who joined us. I know you know Stephanie Liu. Uh, she's here. Claudia Santiago, Nick Rishwain, Nazim Beltran staying up late. Uh, Todd Bergen, great to see you, Todd. Uh, Barb Tomlin, and let's see who else. Carlos Phoenix, what's going on? Uh, Nazim has a question. Are companies staying away from live streaming because of the fact that they are worried about the viewer comments? that could be out of control or do you see a shift on this not being an issue? It's a little wordy, so I won't keep it up on the screen, but here's my perspective guys, you know, and and you know, I'm all about the real talk. So I I think at the brand marketing level, you don't have enough practitioners are actually using the technology. You know, a a lot of us that are homies in the space, Nazim, you know, Ross, Stephanie on and on a, a lot of us, we get live streaming. We do it ourselves. But when I go to a conference that is primarily brand marketers, not social media practitioners or social media thought leaders or personalities, when I actually go to a conference with people who work for enterprise brands, hardly any of these people are using, so hardly any of them have personal brands to start with. So because they don't have personal brands, because a lot of these folks, when they read about live stream through Mashable or social media examiner, they go run off to their agency to just do it for them. They're not using it themselves. So because they're not using it themselves, they don't necessarily believe it because they don't see the power of it. And for anyone that says, no, you're full of it. I I challenge them because I see a lot of the brands that are using live stream to some extent, oftentimes they have an agency behind the scenes is doing it for them. So it comes back down, honestly, to, to leadership. And if you are sitting there, you know, thinking aspirationally, you want to work with brands, get in front of their faces. And the way to get in front of their faces is not through live streaming. It's actually using a combination of LinkedIn. It's using Twitter. And show them the proof of concept. A lot of these brands are, you know, people that get hired to work at brands are very smart individuals, very mm-hmm. educated. They, you know, a lot of them run very large budgets, but they're just naturally not practitioners. So I think anytime you can show a proof of concept to them, send them a tweet, say, hey, look, we'd love to do this for, for you know, Coca-Cola, if it's Coke or whomever. Um, you have to spell it out for them. You know, I'll share this with you guys. I get influencer gigs, right? And the way I've, know, I've come to know how to growth hack influencer marketing as an influencer, not as a marketer. Right. I think being a marketer helps because I know how to speak the language, KPIs, yada, yada, yada. The way that I personally get influencer gigs is I literally will reach out and spell out, this is what I'm going to do for you. And once right. you spell it out, it's kind of hard to say no, because everything within like one email is already spelled out. Like, hey, this is who I am. This is right. the reach I have. This is what I propose to do. This is what I need from you. And this is what I'm going to do in return. Mm-hmm. So once you spell everything out at that point, that marketer is going to sit there and think, well, We've wanted to do influencer marketing. We don't know where to get started. We don't know who to find. We don't know what to propose to them. Here, it's literally an opportunity that's fallen on our lap. So I think to anyone out there that's in the live streaming community, you want to work with brands, take that approach. Take literally, take your favorite brands, find the people that work in marketing at these brands, whether it's a brand director, brand manager, social media manager, on and on, and make the pitch. And you think for, I mean, obviously there's a lot of brands out there that really aren't even doing influencer marketing or really that active on social that's push out a message here and there, a little contest once in a while, whatever. Do you think that live streaming is actually a way that they can speed up that engagement and that customer acquisition that they're looking for? 
um, rather than say, okay, we've got to start building up our Twitter and then we've got to, you know, have a Facebook page and go on. Yeah, they need all those elements and they probably have them and aren't using them that well. But at this point, it just seems like the growth and the connection, particularly for a small to mid-sized business where a new client, a new customer could mean a, a lot for that quarter's you know, when you look at the books for that quarter or whatever, mm. don't you think that almost like make live streaming more the priority rather than than it being a little addition to our social strategy, make that more the centerpiece and then have the social strategy support that? I don't necessarily agree that live stream should be the focal point of your social strategy. I think it comes down to at the end of the day, what, you know, what are your objectives? What are you trying to accomplish and what role does live stream play into that? So once again, you know, we were talking about employer branding before. If you're looking to show that your organization is a fun place to work, there's many ways that you can go ahead and use live stream. In the case here at BMC, we're using live stream now um, in, in, to give folks access to our events if they can't attend. So we host events on a global level called BMC Days and BMC Exchanges. So we're using live stream, specifically Facebook Live, to show what's happening in Chicago or what's happening in Paris or what's happening in Sao Paulo. Um, again, it comes down to, it's subjective. So every company is going to have their own reasoning for using it. I don't think necessarily it should be the main piece of the pie. And the reason why is because a lot of companies are strapped and challenged when it comes to talent and resources. So let's face it, there's a skill set that a lot of creators that you find on Snapchat or Instagram even possess, and that's creative storytelling. Your average marketer, and I'm going to put myself in that same category. Well, you guys see me doing the whole Snapchat fam thing and hustle diaries and all that stuff. I'm naturally not a creative storyteller. I'm a marketer. I'm a, I'm a marketing exec and business professional. So I don't draw well. Um, you know, I'm not funny on social media. So that's the challenge, man. At the end of the day is you need to have the bench. I think a lot of companies are going to start hiring mm -hmm. aspirationally for that talent. So they start building the bench. I just don't think we're there right now. I do think, though, once again, that there's opportunity for live stream at the brand level, but it takes really some finesse. So I'll share with you some, some examples. You know, we've started to do some live streams around events, and we noticed that people aren't sticking around for two hours to watch content. So for us, that's an indication that maybe we shouldn't be doing two-hour live streams. Maybe we should do 10-minute keynotes. Maybe we should chop it up. Um, maybe the live stream is good for just in the moment so we can tap in the Facebook algorithm. But at the end of the day, maybe that content should come down after the live stream so our video editing team can polish it up, cut it up, make a two-minute video for YouTube. You know, there's so many ways to skin live video. I think everyone's thinking right now that there's like this just one clear-cut way right. that all brands should do it. And quite frankly, there's not. Yeah. And it's not like people think of it as as one thing, and it's not. It's a very different genre, really, going live and doing a, you know, spur of the moment cell phone video for a couple minutes and doing a fully produced show and, and everything in, in between. Um, I just want to say a quick hi to Sabrina Cadini, who just joined us. Sabrina, great to see you. Guys, if you can share this out, I would love that. Carlos is dropping some real knowledge here. Uh, hey, Alexander, thanks for joining that's, us. That's the thing. So, so shows, right? You know, and, and sorry to interrupt you, Ross. Sure. You know, GoDaddy has very impressive live stream show. GoDaddy, from my perspective, sets the standard for live streaming, as does NASDAQ, these two brands. So right. make sure you follow NASDAQ and you follow GoDaddy. They set the standard for live stream. And why do they set the standard? Because the content is very well produced. 
It looks like it's almost directed. It's in a studio. They're using good lighting, good cameras. I think that sets the standard for what an enterprise brand should aspire to have for a actual show. I think right. that there's other ways that if you want to create something that's much more organic and authentic, let's say your Coke or your CPG brand, you can tap into social media. You can find people who are not influencers, but you can find true advocates for your brand. And you can essentially do what we're doing here where you can give them access to do a, a Periscope slash Twitter live or do right. a Facebook live, do an unboxing. I'd love to see Nike do more of unboxing videos through live where they go out and they find kids like my son, who's 11, who loves Durant's and let him right. like show how cool it is to go unbox a pair of, of Kevin Durant sneakers. Right. No, that's awesome. Um, I want to throw on a question here from Stephanie. What equipment are you using? You, you touched on it, but what are you, what are you using for, for streaming live events? We use um, at BMC, we use professional video equipment. Mm -hmm. And then we use a third party bridge to get the, the feed from the cameras there in person over to, to Facebook Live. So is Facebook Live your primary destination for, for, for doing those live events? It is. Okay. And would you recommend like to um to to most brands that Facebook Live should be where they focus right now, or do you think YouTube Live is a is a major opportunity? I haven't tapped much into YouTube Live personally. I would say Facebook Live definitely is the play right now. Uh, if you're going to tap into YouTube Live, you should have a YouTube strategy. That would right. be a very succinct answer. Let's turn to what you are doing on YouTube and with other videos. Um, Real Talk, The Hustle Diaries. You're putting out these series that are really well-produced. They're shot at different times, right? And you're pulling video together, music. Um, really nicely done. You've also been doing some tutorials as well, right? And they're very well-produced and really break down in like five to ten minutes how you do mm -hmm. something on social media or with marketing. Uh, talk about what made you decide to kind of, you know, go from just doing real and raw stuff to doing more produced stuff that, you know, really has a is developing kind of a following for, for that kind of that kind of content as well. Well, you know, first of all, it comes down, it comes down to strategic vision. So who do I want to be when I grow up? How, how do I want people to, to view me and perceive me? I think there's a lot of noise in social media nowadays. And uh, I think in order to stand through that noise and to rise really above it, your content really is what speaks volumes for itself. And most importantly, not just the content, but the community that you serve. So I recognize the content that I create. It's not going to be for everyone. Not everyone's going to like it. Trust me. Comments. I, I read what other people say out there. Um, but I made a conscious decision about a year ago that if I want to be a leader in the industry of not just marketing and social media, but a business leader around the globe, people have to know who the Carlos Gill brand is. And uh, in full disclosure, I've spent almost 10 years now following other leaders out there, a lot of the same ones that we all watch. Right. And um, there's nothing that really sets myself and them apart or anyone watching this and myself and them apart besides time. You have to put in the time, you have to create the content, you have to get people to know who you are. And there has to be a, a powerful message within your content that people are going to hang on to. So what I've done through the Hustle Diaries is uh, it's really a documentation of my journey. Uh, again, I made a conscious decision going into 2017. I want this to be the year that people really know who I am. Uh, a lot of people see me online. They really don't know what I do, who I am. They don't know what's behind the Snapchat fam and the haircut selfies and all that. So <laughs> <laughs> this, is my, this is my way to really give people an inner glimpse. 
And um, you know, people have said to me, you know, it feels like it's it's like a daily V ripoff or or whatnot. And I tell them, no, it's it's not. It's it's myself. It's what I do and who I am. And I think that there's uh, a difference nowadays between if you really want to rise above the noise or stay underground, you have to create content. And it doesn't right. necessarily have to be well produced. It doesn't have to be with professional cameras. It doesn't have to be with the music that makes makes you feel good. But you have to get your name out there. Um, so that's one with Hustle Diaries. Real talk is interesting. So for the first couple of years, I really went hard on Snapchat where a lot of people got to know me is right. most of the time when I would be working from home, I would create content on my Snapchat. I was answering questions. It was giving people tips, major keys. And I started putting that content on YouTube and I wasn't really happy with the way that content looked aesthetically speaking. And I saw a lot of people aren't watching this content on YouTube for obvious reasons. One, they can already see it on Snapchat, so it's old news. Two, aesthetically speaking, it's all cropped and cut off because as you know, Snapchat records in, uh, in vertical video. So about this time last year, and there's a, there's a story here that I want you guys to follow along with. Around this time last year, I was speaking at a conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the head of social and digital for NASDAQ, and I actually created a live stream together. And he was like, you know, hey, man, like you're really good on, on, on camera. You drop really good knowledge. By the way, we have this full production studio in San Francisco at the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. If you ever want to use it, let me know and I'll book you some studio time. And that was right around mm-hmm. the time where I was doing a lot of these tutorials you know, on, on my phone or with a small camera or on Snapchat. So I thought to myself, if I can take that content and produce it in a studio, that's something that could potentially help me take my personal brand to another level because now the content is, you know, better produced. It's much more well polished. And quite frankly, it's something that maybe could get me inroads with maybe a CNN or a Fox or some sort of media outlet, you know, down the road, like you never know. So it's the power of networking that uh, really put me in that situation. And, uh, you know, Real Talk is a series I do. We're over 20 episodes in now. And it's, it's a show where I either interview interesting guests in the world of business, as I always say. Right. Uh, kind of what we're doing here. We just kind of flow for about, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. Or um, I also alternate in between episodes where I take questions from social media and turn them into content. So, you know, kind of a growth hack for anyone out there watching. Listen to your community. Listen to what your community is right. talking about. Pay attention to direct messages on Twitter. Pay attention to your inbox on Facebook. Because every single episode that I create a Real Talk, every single ink article that I write, even the things I spit out on Hustle Diaries is all derived from what you guys say to me on an ongoing basis. Oh, forgot ink. Congrats on uh, getting the column there. That's that's awesome on being Thank an you. ink contributor. Um what is it like for the Hustle Diaries having a camera follow you around? Like how, how is that something that you do just like when you're speaking or is that something like you're shooting, you're having somebody shoot all day and then you, you distill it down to what, what we see when it's, when it's produced? It's definitely distilled down. Um, quite frankly, I wanted someone to come here to my office today and record me, but you know, there's a difference between the Carl Steele side hustle and Carl Steele <laughs> global head of social for a large enterprise company. So, uh, you know, I'd love to be able to show people more of like an introspective look of like really the balance. Uh, I think a lot of folks here in this live stream are seeing a different side of me that you don't necessarily see on the Hustle Diaries or on a Real Talk or when I'm on Snapchat. And the reason why is because I'm sitting here in my office. Uh, so when I'm sitting here in my office, obviously I'm on. I've been in business meetings all day. Um, whereas when you see me on the Hustle Diaries, it's more of speaking engagements. I'm out and about in the wild. Uh, so, again, it's more of an introspective look 
of uh, getting people to feel a little bit more connected and closer to, to me. Um, having a camera, answer your question, having a camera following me around, it's one of those things I just kind of ignore. I'll be doing a lot of recording at Social Media Marketing World in a couple of days. So for those of you that are there, don't feel like spooked out if you see someone with like a camera popping up. It's just one of those things that I kind of forget and ignore. And, and honestly, I'm like looking back now through the footage of South by Southwest. It's just a great way, man, to like hang on to those memories and be able to just show what happens. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And speaking of South by Southwest, you will be speaking at uh, Social Media Marketing World. You did speak at South by Southwest. You spoke at Summit Live. Um, you're hot on the speaking circuit. Um, and everybody who sees you talks about, like, Carlos brings so much energy. He's a great speaker. Is that something that you've developed over time? Or was that just, like, speaking just came natural to you, like, the first time you got up on stage? How did you... Really kind of develop your what you do now, which is so highly regarded by people. That's a really good question. And it comes down to one word, and that's passion. I think passion is something you cannot fake. There's a lot of things out there that you can fake. I think passion, you either have it or you don't. Um, back in 2013, I was living in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. I was at Salesforce uh, annual conference, Dreamforce. And 2013 going into 2014 for me was the pivotal year because I made a conscious decision of I want to start getting on stages and speaking. I've been, you know, I've, I've been working for quite some time now. Um, I think there's a lot that I can teach other marketers out there about social media. And I was watching um, actually Mark Benioff, founder of Salesforce. And I said, wow, like this is really, really cool seeing how someone with a vision created this huge conference with over 100,000 attendees here. So going into 2014, I started just applying for conferences. And I was like really, really raw. Um, I had never spoken publicly before. Uh, first conference I ever spoke at was actually hosted by Sprinkler. It was at Nissan's headquarters in, um, I want to say it was Chattanooga, Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, it was basically me speaking to 30 people about um, how to use like social media on enterprise level. Uh, and since then, man, you know, it's like anything else that you do. The more you practice, the better you get good at it. Um, for me, it's very natural now to step on a stage and to speak to, to an audience. Um, it's not something that you know, I get scared about. Um, but, uh, I think it just comes natural and a lot, something a lot of people don't know about me is, uh, I'm actually really introverted, which is something you probably wouldn't know on the surface. And I'm fun fact about me. I'm an only child. So growing up as a kid, yeah, growing up (laughs) as a kid, I was always extremely, extremely shy. And, uh, I was, I was always shy. In fact, like this has happened to me at some conferences I've been at over the years, people have walked up to me. And they meet me and then they'll message me later and they're like, hey, like you're really different from what I thought you would be in person. I'm like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, well, you weren't like as vibrant and energetic. You're kind of quiet. And I was like, well, I'm like really sorry. Like the whole like aspect of like people walking up to me and whatnot is one of those things that like I'm still kind of getting used to. Right. Because again, like my whole life pre-social media, um, I was just kind of like in this bubble. And the more I do this, the more I speak, the more I you know, create video content, Snapchat, the more people get to know me. It's, it's kind of cool. It's really humbling getting out and hearing from people say to me like, man, like I watch all your content. It's really motivational, really inspirational. And like, that's what comes down to me. Like, that's my passion. I, I don't do any of this stuff for fame. I don't do any of this stuff for vanity. It's at the end of the day, I am here to build a legacy. I want people to know who I am and I want to be able to motivate, inspire and educate. Uh, Stephanie Liu has a great question. Any tips on how to land speaking engagements? Use a one sheet. I don't have a one sheet. <laughs> so I don't have a speaker's kit. I don't have a one sheet. Um, I would say the best thing for you to do to land speaking engagements is start local in your community. 
Um, start small. I often say to folks, you can do a couple things. One, you can either A, volunteer events in your community, like the local Chamber of Commerce, um, American Marketing Association, ANA. Volunteer um, for the local professional trade associations in your city. And from there, you'll be plugged in, you'll be connected, you'll know who all the players are that book speakers. Um, so you can take that route or you can start on a smaller scale and you can just approach these various uh, conference organizers with, with a pitch. And um, uh, do you know Chris Cubby, by the way, Ross? I'll share. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, let me put myself back on here. Here we go. I'm back. Yeah, uh, yeah I um, actually uh, spent some time with Cubby at uh, social media uh, at Summit Live. I'm going to get the I'm starting to mix up these three events that starts with S. But yeah, I, I got a chance to spend some time with Cubby there. What a nice guy. I mean, on really top nice of guy. being like very extremely knowledgeable. Um, much, much like you, he's much more like down to earth and low key in person than uh, what I expected from Snapchat and from uh, videos. Yeah, I think I think with social media, honestly, like it's very easy to kind of create content. You want it to appear a certain way, but one thing you cannot fake is authenticity. And, and just you know, I think you see that when you meet people in person. Side note, but you know, going back to Chris, so Chris called me at the end of last year, at the end of 2016, and we had this long long chat. And he's like, "Look, dude, I want to get into public speaking, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing the story." So you know, sorry in advance, Chris, if you do. <laughs> But he's like, I really want to get more into public speaking and I need your advice. So I said, look, let's face it. You are in, in Europe and a lot of the events that you're telling me you're applying for are in, in the U.S. or Canada. So right out of the gate, a lot of these conferences are going to view that as an expense. So maybe you should start off with starting local, like start in the European region where you're at. There's a lot of countries around there. There's a lot of different events to so start with that. So like my point of view is always start local and then expand outward um, to pick no more than 10 conferences. Pick 10 conferences that you really want to speak at and prepare for them a pitch of a topic that you're going to talk about that no one else is talking about. Let's face it. A lot of people are hitting up conference organizers wanting to talk about Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and yada, yada, yada. So you have to have a pitch and you have to have an angle that someone else is not pitching. So once you have that pitch down, the, the end piece and the most important piece is what value are you going to bring to the members of that audience? So what makes you qualify to speak on that topic? Conference organizers get hit up every single day. Conference organizers see through a lot of BS. What makes you qualified along with what is your pitch? Welcome, Jeff Adams. Good to see you from Be Live TV Weekly. Um, you know, I, I think when it comes down to, to speaking, too, um, Everybody can't target the same conferences as well, right? Like Correct. you only need so many people who speak about social media at social media marketing world, right? But Correct. if you go to like, uh, I don't know, an actuarial conference or something, you probably have a much better chance to speak about social media. I don't know if they do social media in that field or not, but right, like you don't don't necessarily need to knock on the same door where everybody's knocking. There's plenty of industries that are in great need of advice on on things like social media, and you know you could be the the only one who shows up at that conference with something to say on a subject, and people will love you for it. Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good point, Ross, is attending industry events. So, you know, obviously in our space that we work in, speaking at social media marketing world, speaking at South by Southwest, those are the even content marketing world. Like that's the Mecca. You know, it took me, man, almost 10 years to make it to speak at a social media marketing world. It took me almost 10 years to speak at social media marketing world. You don't get there overnight. It's a very good goal to have. 
but it takes time. So start speaking in your community, start speaking at more industry focused events. Um, I know speakers, heck, I know speakers that make their entire living speaking at like dental industry conferences or hospitality association conferences. There are so many different associations and industries out there that you can penetrate and speak at that you will never go broke. You will never go hungry if you just work that industry. Wow. So can you give us a little preview of, of what you're going to be talking about? What's coming up at, uh, social media marketing world 17. Yes, I'll be speaking about Snapchat strategies for marketing. It's going to be, you know, very much an advanced uh, presentation. So, how to create content on Snapchat, how to find influencers, how to even use spectacles. And we're going to start talking actually about uh, micro content storytelling with Instagram. So, there's a lot of heartburn with Instagram um, nowadays, and a lot of marketers wondering: Should I be on Snapchat? Should I be on Instagram? Um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's going to be there in San Diego. But my point of view is: You should be on both. Uh, you should absolutely be on both because you have further reach being on both. You can reach different audiences. And let's face it, none of these social networks are created equally. So I would be foolish to think that I should either all go in on Snapchat or all go in on Instagram and cancel one out versus the other. Now, do you think that Snapchat is going to add live video or do you think it's going to hold off as the platform that doesn't go all in on live video? I absolutely think they will add live video. I think they have to add live video at this point. Mm -hmm. And will it be live video within your story so that only people you're connected to, you think? Or will it be you can broadcast to the world from your Snapchat account? Well, let's face it. Right now, you can do live video conferencing calls directly mm -hmm. with one person. So all they really have to do, you would think, is their engineering team is flip a switch and broadcast the same feed to your entire to your, all your followers, your entire story. Well, you can now save live videos on Instagram, Carlos yes, Phoenix said. What, that must have just happened, huh? As of today. Wow. Breaking news right here on Livestream Stars. Um, that is huge. So um, I kind of liked that the videos didn't save there. I liked it that there was one platform I could go live and just chat with people and not have to worry about promoting it or repurposing it or anything. It was just the raw conversation. And if there was dead air, that's fine. Just whatever people wanted to talk to you about. And then you could hop off and it's gone. Well, I, I also think one, one thing I wanted to throw out there. Um, and you may have a thought on this from a marketing perspective is for for brands wanting to answer customer complaints or problems or things like that. I thought it was a great opportunity to really reach the customer and then know that that will disappear afterwards. Right. And you help some people, but you don't have a necessarily a long track record of problems out well, there in, in the public forum. The, the functionality is still the same, so it won't save your Instagram. Yeah, Nick is saying it here. The, the only functionality that's been added is you have the option of saving it to your camera roll. Oh, okay. So okay, so that's not the revolutionary change that I was thinking no. it was. Oh, no. okay. No, that's, you know, so you can do with it what you want. So Correct. basically, you could take it, you could repurpose it. If you have a great Instagram live Correct. conversation or whatever, you can then take that and you could put it on any other platform and share it that allows video. Correct. So that's the exactly. advantage of it, that it's not locked into that time. Correct. Right. And you could also, another thing you could do is you could cut a snippet out of it and put it actually on your, your main account, right. On your profile. Correct. 
Um, so like your your reaction when people say Instagram versus Snapchat, right? And you you, you gave away the punchline, I guess, is that you should be on both. What about like what do you say to people like me who really want to like Snapchat because there's so many people that I like who are on Snapchat and love it and I have fun when I hang out with them in person or live stream with them, but I just can't force myself to go on Snapchat or to create content for it. Um, why is it that I'm okay with Instagram? I'm okay with Facebook in their stories, in their whole way of communicating. But I get on Snapchat and it's like I've entered another world and it's like I don't have time for this. <laughs> it's all perception, man. It's all perception, Ross. At the end of the day, these, these, I thought the Instagram and Snapchat now do the same exact thing. When you really think about it, peel back the layers of the onion. Right, so right. You disappear in content. That goes away within 24 hours. You can send direct messages. The only difference is you don't have a gallery of photos on Snapchat. Right. You don't have hashtags. So, you know, they provide very similar functionality. Um, I think it just comes down to perception. You have a lot of folks that said, I will never get on Snapchat because it's for kids, yada, yada. So it's a matter of preference. It's, it's honestly, it's Coke versus Pepsi. It's Nike versus Reebok. Um, as an end user, you don't have to be on both. You really don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to miss anything if you choose one versus the other. I think as a brand, you definitely have much more to lose. I, I think, you know, the thought like I, I started using social at first. I started using it just to build a personal brand. Right. Then right. later I've used it for other purposes. But at that time, my mindset was so focused on Instagram is a great way mm -hmm. to share what you're doing in a public forum that can be found. Right. right. Like the content you create. Yes, you can download it and repurpose it. Um, but it's. It's really the conversations, and if you're already having those conversations on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, maybe you don't have to be on Snapchat, but right. um, there's definitely a community there for brands and for people who want to do it where they'll communicate with you with an enthusiasm and an energy, and the, uh, the barrier to entry is lower definitely on Snapchat than it is right. on a lot of other platforms, right? Right. Of course. So- um, what do you see like as we look as we look forward, right? With with Facebook and and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, those, I mean, Pinterest a little bit with uh, is sort of trying to get back into the game. I'm not saying they're not in the game at all because people are buying things on Pinterest and they have a devoted following, but it's it's definitely not top of mind like it was to a lot of uh, marketers. I don't think, right? I have not used Pinterest since I got consumer marketing in 2015. So right. um, I, I really can't tell you. I don't even think my wife uses Pinterest anymore. Instagram, uh, man. It, it's, I'm telling you, Instagram, even for me, is taking up a lot of my time. I know a lot of us that uh, first met through even Snapchat. A lot right. of us, man, have, are like going hard on Instagram because of, like the versatility of it. Like, yeah, I think with Pinterest – the discoverability is really cool. If you're looking, right. for example, to like remodel your house or like latest fashions to wear, you can go on Instagram. You can type in a couple of relevant hashtags. You can find engaging content. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, Pinterest, There's no, it's not social at all. I mean, of all the social networks, it's like not social. I mean, that's one network where if you don't follow people back or engage, it's okay because nobody's following you or engaging with you right. unless they like a board and they're looking for ideas for something, right? Uh, right. but I, I think, you know, going forward, um, 
stories are obviously now a part of Facebook. They're a part of Instagram. They're a part of Snapchat. What do you think um, is the common denominator when you look at people who create good stories? Is there something like a lesson that people can take away if they want to step up their game as far as creating stories that are of interest to a, a wider audience? Um, yeah, a, a couple of things. I think the key to a good story is to, is to keep your entire story within two minutes. So when you really think about the nature of Snapchat, a snap is as long as 10 seconds. So if you snap for, for two minutes, that's about 12 snaps. So keep your story relatively short, storyboarded out. You know, like this is social media 101 anytime you create right. content. So really think through having your beginning, middle, or end. Any influencer or content creator on the platform is going to tell you that. Um, bring people through a journey. You're telling them a story. You're teach them. You know, the most important thing is you want people to walk away with some sort of a feeling of like, wow, this person just either entertained me, they made me laugh, or they taught me something cool that I didn't know before. Right, right. So before we uh, wrap up, any other conferences you have coming up that you're speaking at that you can uh, let us know about now? Or Yes, I'm going to be in a couple of weeks at Hispanicize in Miami. Uh, Hispanicize is the largest uh, you know, marketing conference for Hispanic American professionals. Uh, that's going to be in Miami. I'm really excited. I'm also up for an award that I'm nominated. I've been nominated for the uh, best Latino Snapchatter of the year. Uh -huh. So really excited about that. Hey, Doug uh, Cohen has a, a question. Anyone here using full scope Snapchat analytics? Are you familiar with that? I'm not familiar with it. Okay. Uh, I can see if anybody else wants to throw something in the chat, if they're using it, um, I'm certainly not deep enough into Snapchat to need, <laughs> to need help with analytics. Um, uh, but thanks for the question, Doug, and, uh, congratulations on Michigan making it to the sweet sticks team <laughs> and congratulations. Of course, Stephanie offers to, uh, Carlos for being nominated and, uh, for also speaking at, at the conference coming up in, Miami. So anyway, I just want to thank you for taking time. I know you're in demand. You're doing all these speaking gigs. You're doing video series and you have a full time job and you're a dad and everything else. Um, but you're a great guy and I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time and uh, can't wait till we can get together again in person and uh, absolutely chat some more. So yeah, th thank you. Thank you so much, Ross, for having me on. Just want to say, you know, thank you uh, for all of you that are going to be uh, at Social Media Marketing World. Make sure you find me. Let's take a selfie. Let's say what's up. And uh, anyone that has any questions, uh, feel free to drop them in the comments and, and tag me and I'll, I'll be sure to respond. CarlosGill.biz is the website at CarlosGill83 on Twitter. The CarlosGill. The CarlosGill on Snapchat. You're not going to let that guy take it away from you on <laughs> Snapchat. Anything else you got going on that you, you want people to uh, to reach out to you about? Yeah, just want to go ahead and plug the YouTube channel, which is Carlos sure. Gill TV. Make sure you go to youtube.com forward slash Carlos Gill TV. I've got a lot of content on there that's dropping uh, on a weekly basis. So I really appreciate that you subscribe. Give me a thumbs up to my content. And uh, I am here to do anything that you guys need my help with. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I can help you out. Thanks, Carlos. Next week, uh, big week Monday night, we have Cynthia Bazin at 7 p.m. Eastern, the smart chick. And Tuesday night, Mario Armstrong will be talking about the debut of his Never Settle show coming up uh, about a week later. So can't wait to talk to him as 
well, and we'll be back with updates on Wednesday and Thursday, too. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. If you haven't had a chance, do please share this out. Uh, Carlos dropped a lot of knowledge here. We want to let people know so that they can check it out and share in the wisdom that we all gained today. So, again, thanks to Carlos and everybody for joining us today, and have a great evening, everybody.